happy, happy Monday, my fabulous vibers. Welcome back to my podcast, where I believe that every woman deserves the freedom to craft the life she wants and the guts to go after it. We will share stories, facts, and opinions on various aspects of life to give you that kick in the ass to light you up and spread killer vibes every day, 24-7. Today, I'm joined by everyone's favorite guest, my husband, Rusk. People love to hear his perspective and what makes us such passionate travelers. We're talking a little bit about traveling today. And we're talking about travel in terms of how it changed us and specifically how it changed me as a mom. There was one travel that we took back in 2009 and it really changed me and it really made me a very different person. When I returned, um, I didn't return the same girl that left. So I hope you enjoy our podcast and let us know what you think. Here we go. You know, part of what we're talking about today is a little bit about that visit that we had in Peru a few years ago. Maybe not a few. It's like 10, 11 years ago. In 2009, Rusk and I, we made a little trip out to, well, not a little, but we made a trip out to um, Peru. It was something that we had talked about for years and we were like, oh, you know, every year for our birthday, by the way, we pick a place that we want to go to. I always tell you, babe, maybe back in like January or February for July, my birthday is in July. This is where I want to go. And you <laughs> typically just say, this is where we're going right. for my birthday. You don't yeah, <laughs> like, right. me like, a, no. <laughs> like a lot of time. You just say, this is where we're going. Get ready. And that's right. what we're doing. <laughs> Well, I've never disappointed you all these years. And, <laughs> you don't. and I did have a little bit of experience in the travel business before I had we had met. So, and I learned a lot from other people traveling around the world. And, and I think that's how we learned about all of these yeah. fabulous places because right. your clients were very well traveled, and yeah. well versed in the world, right. right? And I've always had a keen interest in history and politics, and so you kind of put the two together, and then you always wanted to go see the places you read about, and then if you had uh, clients, if when I had clients and they were able to visit those places. You know what, though? I, Why did we think of Peru, though? What was the idea behind that? Well, it was just, it was Machu Picchu. That was Peru. I mean, it's kind of, it's, yeah. a, it's a wonder of the world, and it, not necessarily in the sophistication of the ruins, but in the location of the ruins. Yeah. And for those of you that have been out there know what I'm talking about, and for those that haven't, it's a very surreal, mystical kind of place when you do get there, especially in the mornings. When, mm. you, when you walk outside of that little hotel they have at the top of the... Uh, um, the mountain to overlook Machu yeah. Picchu, right? Oh my gosh, and I do remember um, arriving there and feeling the right. sense that we were at an elevation that we right. were not accustomed yeah, to, right? right? Yeah, like was, that was very... Right, it was, it was up there, I think different. nine, ten thousand feet, maybe twelve thousand, right? Right. Yeah. Air was very thin. So we arrived into Lima. Yeah. Lima was our travel. That's where we landed from Houston. We did a was it six hours pumpkin. It's a five six hour flight. Five six hours. Yeah. They typically leave overnight, so you get there in the middle of the night. 
Yeah. So we didn't get to see much of Lima because the next morning we just hopped on a plane straight to Cusco. Yeah, but you do, I, I do know, I do remember that when we got there in yeah. the evening time, right. we were greeted with a pisco sour. Oh, and that was our right. first yes, introduction right. to a pisco sour, yes. which was the one famous, of our favorite drinks now. <laughs> now, it was a famous drink of Peru, right? We didn't know anything about that, but when we were greeted with the pisco sour, right. we were like, oh, yeah. what is this? I, I had my share of piscos by the time I got to Peru. <laughs> <laughs> I love a pisco sour. I still, when I go to South American restaurants, right. I'm like that yeah. person that looks to see if yeah. their menu includes a pisco sour. Right. And if it doesn't, then I'm like, okay, you guys are not South American yeah. restaurants. Right. You're I, not I, legit. I, like the, I like the bigger, the, the bitters with the egg, uh, oh, the egg foam on it. Oh, right? the egg foam. Yeah, the egg white egg foam, foam on right the top. Right. Oh my God. This looks so, so good. You know, but today, the podcast is talking a little bit about how motherhood changed for me. In 2009, I had had Alex at, in 2003, so he was six. Right. And I had had Max in 2007, so Maxie was almost two right. at the time. And I remember being, um, you know, that, that typical American mom where you read all the books, right. you research everything you can about being a mom, you look at the milestones, you look at everything that they tell you that you need to look at, you know, are they, you know, doing this at this time? Are they trying that at this time? Like, you look at all that. At this point in 2009, I remember looking at myself as like, oh, I'm an eager mom, I want to know everything. And what I knew about motherhood, I knew from my mother, from my own mother, which, who, by the way, I think is probably the most amazing mom that has ever lived because she lived for her kids and also your mom by the way is someone who i look to as a mentor in terms of mothering because if there's anybody that's more generous in in the terms of a mother it's your mom and my mom so both of them were really beautiful examples Um, so I'm very grateful yeah, they to were have house, that. They were housewives. They were mothers yeah. first and foremost, right? Exactly. That they was didn't their have career. careers. That was their roles, right? They didn't have careers. Right. Well, that was their career. That was their right. career. I mean, oh my gosh! Career doesn't really have to be doesn't to have to be it. justified by monetary compensation. No. Right. That was their career. Know. Raising a kid is a career. Oh my gosh! Right. It really is. Right. We yeah. just don't get promotions and we don't get paid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We don't get bonuses at yeah, the end when not, they graduate. It's, yeah, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's not a monetary compensation. It's you're compensated in through other through other means through other ways. You but know, you know what? Legacy is one of them. Exactly. Right. I mean, legacy. that's why you have kids in this world is to leave something behind. It's not an obligation to have a kid. No one's telling you you have to do it. And and the way you've be, been able to father our boys really is a testament to how good she was as a mother right. and your father was right. as a father himself. Yeah. I think the way that you've been able to parent our boys and you've been able to handle their situations, deal with middle school situations, <laughs> high school teenage crap, yep. I think it's a testament to how much they were so involved in our life when we were little. My mom didn't have... She was... A career housewife. Yeah, yeah. It's really her yeah. thing. But here I am, yep. a master's educated woman, thinking, oh my God, I have all the answers. Right. And then I get to Peru, and right. then it's like, oh my God. Yeah. I have no fucking clue right. what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. Because these women, so let's talk a little bit about how 
I came to achieving the motherhood um, shift. Right. There's a paradigm shift that changes, yeah. and 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 people always ask me, babe. They always ask me, what trip changed you? And right. I always say, Peru changed me. Peru. Right. And I didn't think it was going to change me the way that it did. And it changed me in the sense that as a mom, I became a whole other woman and mother. Well, that's that's kind of what we always tell people when they ask us, why do you why do you like to get out of your your comfort level so much? Why do you like to go see the world, even though there are sometimes inconveniences of delayed flight, canceled flights? And I'm a very left brain organized kind of person. I can't stand when that stuff happens, but I always say it's worth it because when traveling to other parts of the world is a window and a mirror at the same time a window yeah. where you get to look into other cultures and other societies and civilizations and learn something from it and then come back and look at yourself and see how you can apply it to it and i think for you peru was that was that moment where that actually came that reached its highest fruition in terms of the windows and the window mirror kind of theory of mine exactly because I think at the time the baby was two and I was very anxious about leaving him behind I think that was something you and I were doing and we were kind of testing out the waters and seeing if we could leave our kids behind and not be so freaked out about the fact that they were not with us all the time but we had made a decision that the kids were not going to travel with us until they were three years old and they were potty trained we were not going to take a baby on a flight we were not going to be taking diapers we're not taking bottles they were going to have to be self-sufficient and potty trained yeah because we're very practical people we're very practical people and we've always been very practical people from the beginning so you know the fact that i was leaving a baby behind with your parents by the way they stayed with your parents and they always stay with your parents and why because i just trusted the fact that they were going to be able to maintain a good um schedule for the boys anyways but arriving into into Peru and being there and seeing how the Pachamamas, um, Pachamama, by the way, means Mother Earth. Uh, and so Mother Earth and Pachamama, it's something that is very, um, it's a philosophy that in, that is included in South American countries such as Peru, uh, Ecuador, and so Pachamama means the Mother Earth. It's a revered goddess of the indigenous people of the Andes Mountains. Yeah, the Incans. Yeah, according to Inca legend, Pachamama is an ever-present and independent deity who controls fertility. She presides over planting, harvesting, and she also causes earthquakes. Right. So this is before the Spanish arrived into Peru, and it was something that was a philosophy and a way of life for the women. And a lot of the women now, by the way, are very much protected in Peru. My hairdresser, who happens to be Peruvian, says that in school you are taught to revere the Incan women, and they're protected by society, and they're protected by the government sure, really. as well. Yeah. Because they are seen as 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 valuable entities in society. Yeah, a lot of these indigenous civilizations uh, had a philosophy of giving back to Mother Earth because they realized they had come from Mother Earth, so they believed that they had to give back to protect and to look over them and to reside. It wasn't until the West encroached with industrialization and capitalism that they 
the philosophy kind of had changed how it looks. Exactly. So I think that's something that's really important to kind of point out is the differences between where I came from in a very cap capitalistic society, America, Northwest, uh, Northern, you know, the... The differences between what we encounter here and what we encounter when we head south, and we go south. Oh, wherever it's uh, west of west of Europe, geopolitically the west. Because it's also very Eurocentric here. I think we don't really talk about the right. indigenous people, which we discovered as my ancestry came back. Right. Then I have a fifty percent uh, northern indigenous culture. Northern being northern Mexico, right. Sonora area, which right. I think it's sort of like why it touches me so much that I'm so that. involved with the indigenous culture. I think you that's have a something. Psychological symbiotic relationship with your roots, and so you kind of you easily relate to. Indigenous cultures. Yeah, and I think the moment that I encountered the indigenous women, the the Pachamamas, right. the indigenous women. So what, did, in, what did you What did you learn about the uh, Pachamamas? You know what? So the first encounter that I had with one of them, and like being there, and 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 being around them, was that I noticed that they carried their babies on their back, mm -hmm. and not just babies, toddlers, right. and sometimes three or four year olds, and they're like freaking strong to keep those they babies in their backs. They're heavy, right. but they would carry them around and everywhere they went the babies came along with them which is something we don't do here we don't take our kids everywhere sometimes we do and sometimes we don't like there's sort of like a stigma behind that but I remember seeing them like take it off take their shawl off and the baby just popping out and like running but also inside the shawl <laughs> the kid was very enclosed it was he was or she they couldn't uh, they weren't able to see obviously to look out and here we have these we have these uh, yeah. these car what do they call it remind me the, the strollers the strollers yeah, the strollers and all that it's all it's all designed so the kid has all this information coming into him or to her learning as much as yeah. they possibly yeah, can yeah, yeah. it's designed that way it's designed and it's all that way. obviously for an easy access and you know that because the science the science you know says the more information they have at a younger age yeah. the more they'll be faster to learn. but the other thing you learn right. as you're a young mother is that you need to teach your kids to right. detach themselves from you and not be so close to you so that they can learn to sleep on their own they need to learn to go and potty on their own and that was the opposite that I saw in these Pachamamas what I noticed is that they taught their they taught their kids to be independent, but whenever they needed something, they came to mom. And they were off. Honestly, the one thing that I remember most clearly and most strongly, and it stays with me till today, 11 years later, is the fact that these moms were calm. They had a peaceful, um, they had such a peaceful sense about themselves. They were not stressed. They were not worried about carrying milk around, snacks around, toys around with them. They didn't even care. They, the moment they took off their shawl, that baby popped out. He was running and having a good time. I didn't see her chasing that baby around at all. I saw her being happy and smiling that that baby was running everywhere. Typically, you would see these moms running after their kids and being like, oh, helicopter mom, I need to keep an eye on my baby. He's 
jumping up and he's like getting on a tree. Right. Or bold they, Arthur dads. Oh, bold Arthur dads. Right. <laughs> so honestly, that to me, that was the calm. It was the space that they gave their babies to roam. I didn't see that coming back. You know, when I when I'm thinking about American moms, I don't see calm. I don't see stress free. I see them running after them, reading their little book, saying, "Oh, their milestone. They didn't catch up a milestone. Oh my God, they're six months and they're not sitting up, or they're two years old and they're not potty trained." These mothers had a sense of their babies that I wanted to emulate so bad. And I learned that as I visited Peru. And when I came back to Houston, I decided to take that approach. It changed me. I thought about them. We both did. We both did. And I think we said, okay, if they're potty trained at two, great. If they're not potty trained at two, fine. We're letting it go. We're not looking at these stupid benchmarks that everybody follows. We mostly apply that to our second son. He came to speak a little later than the yes. one. He didn't, he, right. didn't, he, didn't, he was a little, he, he wasn't in the 90, 95 percentile like his older kid was, his older brother was physically. And we just weren't, uh, we weren't stressed out about it anymore. We had learned that that uh, kids develop at their own age. Each kid is, at, each, each child at is their own age, stage. at their own yeah. process. And, you know, they're all unique in their development. Not, but you know, some of that comes from science, right? You have to learn that from science. Or somebody has to do the studies and tell you that if you have a thousand kids and then you put you put them in, you can't put them all into the same category. Think that they're all going to be potty trained by three, even though that's what the books tell you has to be done by three. <laughs> what you learn from the Pachamamas is that you just kind of you just have let the process take its time. Exactly, let the process take its time. But the other thing that I need to just mention to moms and their young mothers and their stress and they're worried about it is just really letting their kids just be kids and not think that you have to schedule them every day to have them be successful and not think that you have to have a plan for your kids in order for them to be successful. I don't see that. You know what? Honestly, honey, I am very proud that the people who come to us and say, your kids are so well-mannered. They're so well-behaved. They have a respect for adults. Mm -hmm. They have a good sense of themselves. They're not boisterous, gregarious, crazy. And our kids could be because honestly, our kids have been everywhere and they could be like super like spoiled and like crazy, but they're not. It's testament to the fact that we changed our parenting very early on. We did, we caught on to it really really quickly. We We didn't take the cookie cutter approach where- Exactly. Where you had to, they had to go through high school, that was obvious, Mm -hmm. and they had to go through college. And then they had, and then we had this whole picture, this whole life painted out for them. They're going to have yeah. a house, they're going to have cars, and, have, and then you start realizing that's not what life is about. Life is about, sure, that's that's part of life. That's a, that's a component to some of these things, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about happiness. It's about relationships and the people you know and who you, yeah. who you're able to share your experiences with in life. And you know, I used to have the idea that my son had to make a lot of money and, you know, because that kind of bought you 
certain things from a material standpoint, but you know, my money makes your life comfortable, no doubt. I think anybody that doesn't have money will probably tell you they could always wish they had a little bit more. Nobody wants to live paycheck to paycheck and worry that they're, they're going to lose their jobs. But then it also reaches the other end of that threshold where if you have too much of it, then you don't know what you want to do with it, and it's no longer right. buying you happiness because yeah. material only gets you so far. And I think we just sort of said we're going to forego all the checklists, right. all the benchmarks. Mm-hmm. I remember throwing all the books away and yeah. just saying, screw these stupid books. Right. I'm not following those books anymore. Yeah. I'm going to be an instinctual mother, just like I learned from the Pachamamas, that it was going to be instinctual. And if I felt it, it was going to be good. It was going to be okay for my kid. And if I didn't put him in like five freaking classes, it was okay. Right. We had, yeah. I recall, I recall we had your older <laughs> son in a private, uh, charter school. Yes. Charter school was a private, it was a private daycare kind yes. of school. Yes. And I remember the teacher had, the teacher had overheard me once and come on big buddy, let's go. Yeah. And then she had, she had to say, excuse me, uh, Alex's father can't talk to you. I don't think you should call your son big buddy because you're labeling him. And I, I looked at, <sighs> I remember looking, I remember coming home telling us yeah. this is what we're paying for yeah. is that we're worrying about, you know, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't abusive to my son. I didn't call no. him a bad name. I just called him buddy, which is another term of endearment. Big buddy. Which, yeah. Yeah. He was just my buddy. And I was, and that was, this is, and I'm feeling like I have to pay for this kind of education that I'm, I'm teaching him. First, she's not, she had no business telling me how I need to be a Absolutely. parent. Her job is to teach him the times tables and how to read and write. What I want to call my son is my business. But even from that standpoint, yeah. I have to pay extra on top of what I was paying in property taxes to, to get no, this kind of bullshit. education. So we pulled the yeah, out. pulled him out. Never, never back to a private school. Never did it. We never went back right. to private after that yeah, ever. Because you would figure, it under a private school system, yeah. you would get uh, higher order thinking. That's something I would have maybe expected from a rookie teacher that had just come out of so school that had all the latest and greatest scientific information, not yeah. any practical yeah. experience. Yeah. But she was a she was a veteran teacher, and I found that to be, you know, I just I found it to be I just found it not only to be inappropriate and out of line, but it's not. I just thought yeah. that she's not going to be doing her job if she she can't even understand how insignificant my comment was. And honestly, that to me goes back to the idea of going back and looking at motherhood. And for me, again, motherhood is very different for most women. I don't see it as something that is like life consuming and more like my kids adapt to my life and adapt to our life. I think a lot of the moms nowadays are like, oh my gosh, my kids need to be doing this, need to be doing that. I think a lot of times we really worry about the wrong thing and we think about the wrong thing and we think, oh, we need to have these kids adapted to so-and-so and we need to make sure that they're in this so-and-so class. My kids are not in any of that. My kids are not the type of kids that you're going to find in every classroom, but they will be the kids that will bring in a perspective that you've never heard about. They will be the kids that will come in and say, oh, wait, um, I've seen things this way and this is how it's worked out for us. And I think that's a really beautiful place for us to be. And we're so proud that we were able to learn from the indigenous culture in the Andes 
and the Pachamama culture and the reverence to the Mother Earth and the respect to the Mother Earth. Because I think a lot of American kids, they take on this idea that they're the shit. Right. No, little fucker. Right. We're the shit. And you are kids. Yeah. And you need to take on our life. And we're the ones dictating shit to you. Yeah, right. And I think that's, yeah, so. I, I completely agree with you. And I think that <laughs> a lot of these kids, particularly, are raised in this country under the impression that they think we have the greatest military or the greatest sports teams or the greatest. Athletes. Everything is the greatest. It's the greatest. And we are an exceptional country, but we have yeah. so many things wrong that with the United States and it's definitely I wouldn't exchange this country don't get me wrong to live anywhere no we've else. been everywhere we've it, been all we've over been the world so yeah. I can tell you it's, it's, it's a yeah. great place to live for sure but to think that because we have a great military a great sports team is makes mm-hmm. us great people it does not it does not make you great people great people is how you treat other people the relationships you have how there's equity in the system sure there's cracks it's never perfect but you always have to strive we're regressing in this country and I think what traveling does and for, for Absolutely. It, Thank you for mentioning that. It gives you that. that perspective. It gives you that yeah. holistic outlook on life of what you can do better as a person and what, what society can do better collectively. A lot of folks from, you know, particular political party, they get on cruises. You know, they get on, uh, they go to only places that they're comfortable Mexico. with. Mexico. They right? go to Mexico right? because that's all they know. That's a 51st yeah. state. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with Mexico, but branch out. Yeah. Try to yeah, do yeah. something uncomfortable. Go to a place where they don't speak English. You know, go go try foods that you've never tried before. And just go see how other people live. And you'll find out not only do they live with less, but they're also happier with less. Exactly. And I think that's the lesson. Lesson for today and the podcast for today is that you've got to see how other women mother their babies in other countries. Stop the idea that the only way is the way we have it here and that that's the only thing that is of value. It is not. I will tell you and I will be the advocate for you to say, hey, I want to learn how other women mother their babies and take care of their babies and not to stop at the point where like, oh, I've got to make sure my kids have everything they need. They don't need any of that, to be honest with you. They don't need any of the materialistic bullshit that the Americans buy into. Honestly, if your kid isn't going to Harvard, okay, he isn't going to Harvard, she isn't going to Harvard, she's going to UT, a fabulous, amazing, fantastic school. U of H is a wonderful, amazing institution. Stop buying in to what you think the ideal parent, the ideal situation is. I don't buy it. I don't think it's purposeful. And honestly, not all of our kids need that in their life. My son is a creative source. He's so a right brain that I can't understand him but honestly I am grateful for that because I'm learning how to deal with the right brain kid he is so creative he's so artistic he loves doing things in the artsy fartsy way maybe I don't understand it that's okay I'm not here to 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 judge him I'm here to guide him as a mother 
And that's where the bacha mamas fall in. They learn to just give their babies their space. They give the babies the time to develop on their own and to be their own little human beings. There is nothing that we can say because it's a lot of nature and there's a lot of nurture. Honestly, ladies, if you're a mommy, let your babies be. Let them guide you because they know what they like, they know what they don't like, and you will adapt to their little right. idiosyncrasies. Right. Yeah, great parameters oh. for your kids. Yes. Don't, don't micromanage them. And then feed, right. feed their yeah. their interest, feed their yeah. their don't, passions. Yes, don't overdo it with five different sports. My personal yeah. maybe one, maximum Absolutely. two. Let them get good at something. Yeah, it's better to be good at. I know the American way is to give them five right. sports that they can do, and then they right. fucking pick something. Right, give them some right. one thing that they're good right. at. Yeah, be, be, be good happy. at something instead of being mediocre yeah. at five different things. Thank right. you. Right, I agree. I'm so grateful that you're here today well, thank for. You for inviting me again. <laughs> I enjoy these. Honey, I invite you because you're my number one. <laughs> You're my number one. Um, so thank you, everybody. And I really appreciate you all listening on on us. And if you're a mom, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you're thinking. We want to know where you are in the process. How are you dealing with teenagers? I can say where I'm dealing with, where we're dealing with teenagers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can can we just say dealing with teenagers is not easy? No, it's definitely it's definitely <laughs> We knew we knew it was coming, and that's why we spaced our kids apart. Yeah, we did. We had five did. years apart, so we didn't have two teenagers, so they weren't learning to drive at the same time, weren't in college at the same time. You know, insurance didn't skyrocket at the same time, so we practically and systematically did it. So we, but, you know, our our older kid's a great kid. He has his moments, but can always be worse. And and our older kid is. A very right brain. He's very artistic, and Rusk and I are very logical based. Yeah, yeah. So we have to really, really, really like. Too much. Yeah, manage him, but that's okay. We're learning as we go. Yeah, it's, it's a learning process. Like everybody else. But I just want to say thank you so much, you all, for joining in and being a part of our podcast and giving us our, your feedback. If you're a mother of a young boy who's just trying to make a way in his in his life and just trying to figure things out, I want to hear from you. I want to know what you're thinking. I want we want to know what you're thinking. Ruska and I work as a partnership. We work as a team, and so everything that we do in terms of like parenting our kids, we really, really, really discuss things together, and we don't just um, go my way or his way. We really try to find a middle ground and discuss things as we go along so definitely let us know what you're thinking we are so excited to have you guys join us on this podcast tell us if there's a subject that you want us to encounter and just discuss because we are so happy to just um 
be out here for you guys and just determine what you want to do and what we can talk about. And we will research and we will determine how much we can um, express things. Because for us, all of this is so important. Discussion is important. You know, 2020 has been a very challenging year, but we definitely want to make the best out of it. So, honey, thank you so much for being here and talking to us about it. And love you guys. Keep us posted and tell us what you think. Thank you.